You're listening to The Cannabis Hangout, two girls, one bowl, and a podcast that is breaking the stigma of marijuana. My name is Brandon. And my name is Saba. We will be connecting with a community of cannabis enthusiasts by educating people, sharing stories from medical marijuana patients, and interviewing industry leaders while debunking cannabis myths. So we invite you to come roll with us while while we break break it all down. All right, you know we love terpenes, which is why we're jamming with Nevada's terpene-rich, naturally-flavored cannabis oil vaporizers that allow you to curate your high with their mind-body series. They provide you with six experiences that range from full mind to full body. So, Saab, tell the people about the flavors. So, each vaporizer has an enticing flavor profile like strawberry, tangerine, Tropical, lime, blueberry, and wild grape. I've personally been rocking with the Mind's Dominant Tangerine Vaporizer lately, and the major terpene is terpinaline, and I've enjoyed it while hiking in the outdoors and just being active in general. And for me, the Blueberry Vaporizer that's body dominant is what I've been enjoying, and the top terpene is limonene, which is great for relaxing my body and uplifting my mind. So whether you're a seasoned smoker or you're someone new, everyone should be able to enjoy the full spectrum of wellness mindfulness and fun that cannabis brings to life. Hey all, welcome back to another episode. I'm Saba. And I'm Brandon. And we are your hosts of the Cannabis Hangout. On today's episode, we have the absolute pleasure of speaking with a woman who I met through working at the dispensary. From the moment I met her, I knew she was a total badass. She's an incredibly hard worker and the first female grower that I have met. We are super excited to pick her brain. So guys, please welcome Ellie to the Cannabis Hangout. Hello, everyone. Hi, Ellie. Thanks so much for taking time out of your day to be here and just to chat with us. We're so excited to pick your brain. So let's just dive on into it. Um, share with us where you for the first time was that you consumed cannabis. Oh, I was a kid back then. Yeah. A lot older now. I was 16 years old okay. whenever I first started trying out cannabis, and I had two brothers that were bad examples uh, at that time. Younger you sister know? was two older brothers. <laughs> yep. One of them is eight years older than me, and one of them is five years older. Oh, wow. Okay, That's so, rowdy. Yeah. <laughs> they were in trouble. Yes. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Are you the youngest? I'm the youngest. Okay. I have a sister, too, that's older than me, and she's like... Seriously, the perfect one, you know. There's always one in the family. There's always one in the family. (laughs) But my brothers were right at their party age whenever I was 16. Uh, And we all lived in the same house together. uh, Sounds dangerous. Mom didn't know what was going on, of course. You know, it was always when she was gone. But that was my first experience with it. And then I really wasn't using a lot at that time Mm because I was a teenager in school. But I had gotten my first job at 15, so I started getting, like, more freedom. Yes. And back then, I think I had either my permit. I think I had a license at 15 and a half. I know they've made some changes now. Yeah. No, that sounds about right. Yeah. A permit. A or, permit was 15 yeah. and a half and a license is 16, so yeah. six months. But it was probably different back then. Yeah. I, don't know. I think you could get it younger back yeah. then. They changed it like right after mm-hmm. I turned 16. But um, then I had the freedom because I was at work and everything. So I could basically get away with anything. Yeah. and. It just kind of took off from there. Okay. Wow. So how has your cannabis journey evolved from where you started to where you are now in present day? Well, you know, back then it was just something fun whenever you're hanging out. And now it's actually like a job for me every day. Yeah. So definitely I never thought 
that I was going to be in this industry or that right. Oklahoma would ever have. I know. Mm-hmm. You and I both. I yeah. feel like we all like think that. It was yeah. like super it's surprising. Bible, it's like I believed in our state and like the people who were coming out of the woodworks to vote for this, you mm-hmm. know? Yes. But I was just like, whoa, it, it passed. It actually yeah. passed in the Bible Belt. And here we are. There's about to be a bunch of green crosses everywhere like that's crazy yeah and dispensaries popped up so fast like we did not wait literally so fast it was like literally overnight everyone just flipped their things from cbd to dispensaries like it was crazy yeah they literally were it was crazy yeah uh did fred at fred's pharmacopoeia was he the one that had the first sell I feel like he oh, was. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't know. even know that. But I, I know, know exactly who you're TV. talking about. I've never met Fred, but I know that face on uh, mm-hmm. Weed Maps, and, like, I've seen it a lot of places. Yeah, I think so he cool. made the first sale, and I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, this is going so fast, because we right? were still, like, wow. in the planning phases of ours, and uh, it was yeah. like, people are already selling it yeah. out there, right? And whenever, I felt so far behind. Whenever you're hearing, like, other states here in the U.S. that are legalizing it and running with it, it's like they're taking at least a year and a half yeah. before places are opening it's it's, longer yes it's Mm -hmm. crazy like everything has just happened so quickly and then it's just it's weird it's like I think I feel like it has to just do with like the people and the community Mm -hmm. and the passion and where you live and And the laws honestly I was reading something on the chronic the other day that after Oklahoma is the highest number of dispensaries so we're the only ones in like all the legalized states that's over 2,000 California is over Mm 1,000 and then it literally drops to 500 in one state 400 in another, and then I think 500 was Colorado. Oh 400 was like uh, maybe Oregon or Seattle or Washington. And then it literally dropped down to like 50, 10, wow. like 10 plus, 50 yeah. plus. So it's Those crazy. Those are the ones with the caps in yeah. place. Mm-hmm. So a lot of them, like Missouri, for instance, because our families, like part of us are from Missouri, and then the rest of us are from Oklahoma. So okay. we've been trying to get into the Missouri space, oh. and they've put caps on their licenses. And they still only have a handful of growers, and they're only six months behind our program. Wow. So mm. that just tells you, like, putting those caps in place, strangle caps. everybody yes. out. It yeah, really does. It really does. And those high, like, because I know in Arkansas, I remember when I worked at the dispensary, a guy, his son was, like, a dispensary owner, and he said that, like, in the state of Arkansas, and I, this could have changed, but you had to have a minimum of, like, $500,000 in your bank account and to be able to prove that to the wow. state before you could even move forward with, like, getting a license or anything like that before the they'd even thing. look at you. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. so crazy to me. That's, like, again, that I feel like that turns it into corporate cannabis so fast. They don't give it an opportunity that's for the little point. guy, that's which is so want. whack. That's I what they that. want because they believe that the little guy can't make a legitimate operation. This is what the state believes, which is completely untrue. We've proven that at mm-hmm. Smoky Okies. Yeah. We were small guys. It started with 20 lights. We've yeah. grown to what we are today, family operations. So it's not fair yeah. to say that, oh, since you're a little person mm-hmm. that you can't be successful because all of those successful people mm-hmm. started out small. Yep, they did. They sure, they sure shit they did. and They just different. Yeah, now. it does. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So what would you say? So Saba and I both have daily morning rituals that we abide by. I know earlier before this conversation, we had, we're talking about cannabis and smoking and how you kind of said that wasn't a thing for you anymore. So this question kind of is like, "Eh." but tell us a little bit about that. Like my cannabis ritual or what I do? Yes. So yeah, your cannabis ritual, like how, just tell us how you do that. If you consume 
if I do consume, mm-hmm. I only smoke blunts. Oh, <laughs> okay. you're a blunt smoker. I did yes. not expect that, Ellie. that's how I was introduced to it. Oh, I love that. Okay. You know, one of those people that once I like something, I never change. So yeah. It's grape cigarillos, the mini ones. Oh, my gosh. Nice. I love that. Love grape. That's about it. Wow. You know, joints are fine, too. Yeah. But I'm really... I don't get into the concentrates and everything like okay. that. They're a little too hardcore for me. Yeah, I'm not able totally to hang. Understand. So yeah. I just need a couple puffs off a of blunt and I'm good. I yeah. will never forget yeah. that about you. Next so, time I see you, I'm going to roll up with a grape cigarillo blunt and be like, Ellie, let's, <laughs> let's smoke. And, you know, someone told me that the reason behind the grape cigarillo is that since they sell um, more often that they're uh-huh. always fresh, but oh, with okay. the Swisher sweets and those packages, I honestly don't think that's the truth anymore. I think that's like, backdated when we were kids yeah. and you were getting them in the aluminum foil and yeah. like it would just snap you know right? <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's where that came from so are you just like an every now and then smoker would you say very every now and then okay it's funny that once you're in it every day yeah it's not as exciting as whenever you're a kid sneaking around Yes. yes, I know <laughs> you what you mean. You're doing this for a living yeah. and you're getting paid for it. Being an outlaw, you know? Yes. That's, like there's some Being fun Being an in outlaw. That. And now it's like yeah. legal beagle, you I know? Legal beagle. <laughs> Takes a little rebellious, you know, yeah. side out of it, I which is that. no fun. So I, I totally resonate with that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so does your family know, like, how do they feel about like consumption with cannabis? Like what's that dynamic like for you guys? Um, now everybody's for it. Um, definitely. And a lot of my family's involved in our operation now. Okay. So That's two really of my cool. brothers work there and then my cousin is my partner. Mm-hmm. So we're very family oriented. Um, my sister, she, she just never has been interested in consuming anything. So mm-hmm. yeah. she's kind of, but she's not judgmental against it at all. That's my mom awesome. is really supportive with everything. Um, she's not a consumer either, mm-hmm. but she really believes in herbs. She's been a big herb lady. I love that. Your family sounds very open-minded with it all, whether they're partaking or not. Mm -hmm. Like there's some like, you know, there's no judgment, but it's like, My grandma was the only one that we had to kind of get on board with it all. And when she came to see the grow, she was like, now this is only for medicinal, right? (laughs) Yes, it's only for medicinal. That's the law here, grandma. We abide. She cared very much that everybody's only consuming for medicinal reasons. Yeah. Yeah. I'll say what you gotta say. control everybody. Body, but yeah, that's yeah. our intent. We're gonna say yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> so let's flip the script, Ellie, and talk about who you are and what you do. Okay, I'm Ellie McDaniel with Smoky Oakies Cannabis. We're an indoor clean room cultivation facility located on 23rd Street in OKC. Um, we harvest every week at our operation, which is pretty awesome. Most people don't do that. Uh, we have 36 strains in rotation, so we have plenty of variety that's out there. We pride ourselves in being clean, consistent, and having quality products. So around our grow, we wear scrubs, booties, gloves, hairnets. Love that. I love being clean. I used to I have a cleaning that. company. So to me, that's like the number uh, one yes. You're the perfect OCD person to be thing. in charge. When I come in, I'm like, the floor needs to be mopped again for the third time today. You know? <laughs> yes. third time. Yeah. So that's basically us in a nutshell. That's awesome. So how long have you been growing cannabis for and what's it like from when you started to where you are now? Oh man. So I didn't have any prior experience to doing this operation. 
with growing anything. Like, I'm a killer of plants at home. So, mm-hmm. for me to like... <laughs> really? That's interesting. Okay, tell me more. Uh, I'm feeling enlightened now because I'm like, okay, maybe I could grow I'm one day. I'm not a plant connoisseur <laughs> at all at home. Um, my husband actually makes fun of me because every summer, like, I buy all of these flowers for the house and he's like, those are going to be dead in three to four months. <laughs> I water them, you know. But when you're talking about doing a job or a business, I take anything that I do very seriously. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter what it is. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to make sure I do it correctly. And so whenever I got into this, I was made fun of the whole time. Like, really? You're going to grow plants every day for a living? Yeah, I love that. I love that you proved everyone wrong, though. I did. Yes, I I love that. Setting up a new company can be difficult and confusing, but establishing a strong foundation with appropriate and necessary documents can help protect you in the long run. Yes, and with being business owners ourselves, we understand what it's like pretty well, I think. With BIC Legal, they practice in areas like family law, estate planning, business litigation, and review and draft contracts for your company while assisting in licensing applications, and so much more. And with the Oklahoma cannabis industry thriving, the rules and regulations related to cannabis are quite strict. Jade Pebworth with BIC Legal, she really enjoys working with companies from the ground up. So if you're looking for good legal help in Oklahoma, she's your girl. Let's get back to today's episode. There was just a lot of learning because this isn't the same as growing any plant, and these plants can have a lot of issues. Mm -hmm. They're very finicky. Like, yes. I don't even know how people are growing outdoors because oh, wow. they hate heat, they hate bugs. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if you have any type of issue, humidity can cause an issue. So even indoors, we're constantly having these battles indoors and we have all the heavy equipment to mm-hmm. make sure mm-hmm. that we are able to battle those issues. Wow. So people that are doing it outside, kudos to them, especially in Oklahoma weather, because Oklahoma's like yeah. the worst state to try to do that kind Is of stuff. Is it? Okay. That's crazy to hear just from like, you know, so many different growers and you know, I know the weather is definitely a thing in like every mm-hmm. state that people grow yes. cannabis in. Do you know like other states that have like the best weather to grow cannabis in? I think Colorado is probably pretty good because okay. it's dry. The main yeah. thing yeah. being like how humid it is here. Mm-hmm. Like our humidity is just off the charts and um, powder mildew can grow on these plants with humidity. So that's why it's such a big deal to keep that down. Yeah. And once you get it in your crop, it can spread throughout. So it's very, very important to keep that yeah. humidity right. But outside, you don't get those options. Right. You know, you yeah. get whatever you get. And so um, I never was interested in doing outdoor just because I, mm-hmm. I kind of wanted this clean concept. And whenever I'd went and toured a lot of grows in Colorado mm-hmm. planning for this, um, just those ones that were clean room facilities really stuck out to me and stuck yeah. in my mind. It just looked really professional, and that's yeah. kind of the image I wanted okay. to go after. But a lot more expensive to do an indoor mm-hmm. grow than outdoor, of course. Yeah. So um, that's why a lot of people have chosen outdoors because yeah. it's just a lot lower startup costs. Okay, okay. so from going from, like, being a, being a plant killer, you said, to, mm-hmm. like, growing cannabis, what even, like, made you want to transition to do that? Because, like, I understand. I have, like you know, a few small cactuses in my house, <laughs> an like aloe. a little aloe plant that I'm so proud of and yeah. like a bamboo plant thing that's is like a little jar. Like, yeah. and that's about it for me. Cause I feel you on the keeping stuff alive, even though I try really hard, <laughs> but so going to cannabis, what made you like confident to be like, I, this is, cause that is so much more complex. It's not yes. just watering the plant and then, you know, waiting yeah. for the next day to do it again and, well, and it's go a to work. Facility. Like we have thousands of plants. Yeah. So, so it's where did not that just something passion come from? I think it was mainly just a business opportunity. Okay. Cause at that point I had already owned a cleaning business and I had a laundry mat too mm-hmm. that I had 
had. It's like the hustle business driven mindset. Yeah, I was already an entrepreneur and that was actually an opportunity to make money, like real money. Mm -hmm. And so to me, if I have an opportunity like that, it's like, I don't care what I need to do. I'm going to make it happen. That's really admirable though. Yeah. Well, and being a woman in the space mattered to me too, because I didn't, there weren't a lot of women in the space. I think Oklahoma honestly has more than anybody because we do have this open license concept. Yes. Luckily, there are a lot of women, but I just felt like it was important to be a woman in that space and especially a grower because I had seen a lot of dispensary owners and um, just I had seen them in all these other spaces, but growing. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it really well. But I didn't just come out of the gate doing well. You know, I had a lot of mistakes and we had a lot of losses from me not having any knowledge. So I would say hire a consultant, pay the money, have somebody walk you through that. We didn't have the money whenever we first started to really do all that. Mm -hmm. So we kind of had to just trial and error, make everything work. And I was just kind of thrown into that spot of like, got to figure it out, but you also can't lose a lot because we need money to be able to keep going. Yes. Right. So it was a lot of pressure and I still had the laundromat at that time oh, wow. too. And we had a dispensary for a little bit too. Oh, wow. So okay. Like I had three businesses and my daughter was only like six months old at that time too. So wow. I had a baby at home. You're a freaking G. Oh, yeah. I know. I'm yeah. like, okay, one, up. two, three, four. Okay. How did, when did you sleep? That's the question. I didn't. It was terrible. It was really, uh, really terrible. Yeah. Whenever I was in that, I felt like I was losing my mind, but I just kept on trucking along. Yeah, you have to. No. I mean, when you're an entrepreneur from one to another, I feel like you yeah. have to just know that right. like, this is only temporary, like yeah. the curve is coming and it's not going to come if I don't keep trucking along. Like yeah. I can't, it's that when you're almost about to give up, that's what really makes an entrepreneur yeah. is how, how do you get past that? I'm about to give up phase yes. and like that I'm done phase. And like, once you can get over that, I feel like that's what pushes you to that for next sure. higher level, yes. yeah. which is really cool to hear. And having kids, I feel like for me, especially like I want my kids to have better than what I had as a kid. Not that my life was bad, but we were really, really poor. Yeah, and it's just as a mother in general, me. you want yeah, that. you yes. want the best for yeah. your kids to be able to. I, I can relate to that. Yeah. We didn't grow up with a ton of money or anything, and we immigrated here, uprooted our lives from Pakistan. So for for I, I can relate to that. Like my sis, my siblings grew up like really well off in Pakistan because my dad was doing really well there. Mm-hmm. But coming here, it wasn't like that. So like I've only known what I've known, and so my parents are always like. You know, we wish we could have had a better life for you. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I grew up great. But for me now, like the things that I didn't get to do, like go on family vacations and stuff as a kid, Mm -hmm. are now things that I'm like, I, if and when I do have kids, like those are mandatory things that we have to do because I never got to experience those. And I want my kids to be experienced, to be able to experience those. So I get that. It's important for me to leave behind a legacy. Yes. You know, that they can be proud of. And Mm -hmm. I had that. I also kind of fought with myself because I was getting into this cannabis space and now I, my kids have to know about it. Mm-hmm. And when it was first passing, that was really awkward because literally yeah. my son's attending a school that it's still on the D.A.R.E. program right. of not oh, using cannabis, yes. you know, so... I had to lie to my boy for like the whole build out. I was telling him, we're building a really big laundromat, you know, we're expanding <laughs> yeah. the laundromat business. And then finally he was like, he just kind of called me on my crap. You I know? mean, kids aren't stupid, <laughs> especially kids today. He's 13 now. Oh, yeah. So at the time, he's like 10, 11 okay. at that time. So I sat him down and kind of talked to him. Mm-hmm. And 
he brought up his concerns about, well, this is what I'm learning at school, you know, like, oh, that's cool. And then after we went over that stuff, then he started asking like, well, how many plants do you have and how do you take care of them? You know, and that kind of stuff. So he just, he just liked that I opened up to him and that I told him the truth. And then I felt better about that. Transparency, man. Yeah. You're the the third parent, like literally within the last two weeks that have said they have such a great relationship with their kid because that is what they were transparent about. And that's trickled on through the rest of their relationship, which is so cool. So earlier you said um, you wanted to come into this space as a woman because there wasn't as many. Is there any challenges you've had to overcome within being in this space? And if so, like what are some of those challenges? I feel like they're challenges that we're never going to be able to fix. Yeah. Um, Automatically, like all of us know, and I'm not trying to play this woman card by any means Mm -hmm. because I respect both sexes. Yes. I think that both of them are very important. Yes, ma'am. If you notice, most women do the day-to-day with no thank you, no recognition. Mm -hmm. Nobody really thinks what you do is important, even though you're kind of holding it all together at home. And it may just be cleaning the toilet, but who else cleans the toilet? Nobody. Say it louder for the people in the back, sister. (laughs) But when I got into the space and I was being an operations manager back there, it was, and I was new. So Mm -hmm. already I had employees doubting me, like, do you know what you want? And I was trying to like nail down these operations and get our procedures in place yeah. and trying to tell people like, this like, is what believe I believe in me. You know? Like, yeah. just hold on. Yeah. It's I'm gonna the be boss. Great. You yes. do what I say. But being a woman, I felt like none of the men really respected that. Mm-hmm. And it was a constant battle of people like going behind my back and doing whatever they wanted. And then I wasn't able, we were trying to keep data on all this because we right. were new. So it was yeah. like, I need to see if what I want is actually working, but you keep making your own right. changes behind my back and now I can't see if it works. So mm-hmm. I, I ended up putting my husband in place I was there for a year and a half in the back doing the growing every day. And then I put my husband in place as the operations manager and it completely changed. I Everything. Mean, everybody Everyone's... respects him and he's doing exactly what I'm telling him yeah. to do. But yet when he yeah, says it, it's, it's bullshit. like, yes, sir, they get yeah. back there and they do it. But when I say it, it's like, she doesn't know what she's talking about. You know, so, you're actually like, yeah. I taught him everything he knows. Yeah. So Just settle down. There's Just no respect that. there. <laughs> yeah. Women at yeah. All. Huh. And then also when you have a family unit and you're trying to build a company, that's very, very stressful mm-hmm. on your relationship with your significant other. I don't I care. Can imagine. You can have yes. the best relationship yeah. ever and you're going to bicker and fight and Honestly, there was just so much doubt surrounding me because I didn't have prior experience. Yeah. And it's not their fault for doubting me because I didn't have anything. I would feel yeah. the same Ooh. way. Yeah. You know? I would have no experience uh-huh. either. Yeah. Uh-huh. You can't be like, oh, well, I've done this at five other operations. I know right. what I'm doing. I couldn't do that. So I don't blame them for doubting yeah. me. Yeah. But it made it even harder when you're trying to do all those mm-hmm. things. And the whole time people are thinking, you can't do this. You know, you need cheerleaders in your corner. Yes. And but I will say I am the type of person that when I don't have a cheerleader in my corner, I'm like, fuck you. Yeah. 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 I love it. You seem, even just based on this conversation, you yeah. seem very much so like that, which is cool. Cause but you, you just get, get up and done. run with that. Yeah. You're like, no one's cheering me on. No one's believing me, possibly doubting me. But like, that's now kind of my motivation. Like, yeah. yes. y'all assholes. Like, this is, <laughs> I'm about to show you what's up. And you yeah. did. Yeah, and yeah you I did. did. And I can, luckily I can say that now. Yes. That yeah, it yeah. happened and that it's successful and that everything's yeah. great. 
great, but if it wasn't, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but you wouldn't have let yeah. it. That's you the thing. Been, you like, wouldn't have let it. So. I wouldn't have let it, uh, hopefully. You know, but there's just so many things yes. that are out of your control with yes. a big operation right. like mm-hmm. this. I don't think yeah. it's in you wrong, to just so. make it not happen. You know? I know. Yeah, I'm I just can't. knowing you in the 20 minutes we've been talking. <laughs> well, it's money is a big thing. Yeah. And when yes. you already don't have enough money yeah. for what you need for one of these operations. You don't have time to mess around. Yeah, like any mistake sets you back. So it was it was very very hard i mean yeah. we, we all trucked along for a very long time before we actually made money and wow. we still continue to dump most of our money back into that operation to keep expanding yeah and we will always do that because we want the best of the best that's out there yes. and we're very proud of that facility mm-hmm. and love that it's not just about pocketing all the money yeah. you know yeah, you have absolutely. to reinvest into it and mm-hmm. employees like we have 20 employees on wow that's 20 people that get jobs every day and something wow. that they love. That you're so providing for. That's a really big operation you have. 20 yeah. people. That's amazing. 20 people now. And it started with just me. That's, <laughs> I love that. That's so crazy. Such really a cool grew. story. That really So is. on the flip side of that, what's been the most rewarding aspect or experience about growing cannabis and being like a vital part of people's patient journeys? Just being able to have really nice medicine that's out there. And I have been hearing more and more about our name and how happy people are with the product. And now that we've, I'm never going to say we made it, you know, because we're not done with what we're doing, but just people loving our product. It's so rewarding because it's like, I have invested everything into this and my partners have too. And we've given it our all. And now it's actually like, there's there's something coming out of it, and yeah. people are proud of who we are. And I love the name Smokey Oakies. Like it yes, just it is, is such an Oklahoma it name. Is, yes, it is something such a to be vibe. so proud I of. Know. Like having your roots being born and bred here. It's just yeah, I love it. It's all there's home. so many outsiders family. that are here, and I'm not knocking those outsiders. A yeah. lot of them buy from me, so yeah. we need those people too. For sure, yes. it makes but it go round. I am yes. proud of being an Oklahoman for sure. Yeah, as Hell you yeah. should be. I love that. So being in a grow, you were just talking, takes a lot of trust and communication. Tell us a little bit about your team and how you guys work work together day to day. How that goes? Sort of was it a lot of trial and error finding the people that you? Mm-hmm. Because I know it, trust is the first thing that goes into something like that. So yes. tell us a little bit about that. The only way, I, I mean, trust takes time. Mm-hmm. So I really can't just trust an employee just right out of the gate. I mean, it really shows, it, it, it takes months before you really feel comfortable with somebody. Mm-hmm. But I have some key staples up there at the Grove that have been there since the very beginning. I mean, these people have worked till two o'clock in the morning with Amazing. me. Amazing. Showed up the next day. Just mm-hmm. one of my, just true ride or die employees. Really? You know, I love like that. People yeah. who will stay with you. Yeah. yeah. Really, and like, they really weren't making crap, you know, because uh-huh. I couldn't pay them anything. And yeah. they still showed up with a smile on their face every day. Like, Ellie, let's get it. Let's get it done. I and love that. I love that they're still with me. And I'm mm-hmm. so proud of that. We have a lot of procedures in place that safeguard us too, though. Um, inventory is a really big thing up yes. there. And every single day we take inventory. So That's I know if anything is missing. That's amazing. Cameras everywhere yes. that grow. So I know if anything's missing. And they kind of know, like, if I catch you stealing from me, I am calling the police and I will press charges on you. Like, I'm not playing with you. This is don't be scared of you, Ellie. Really. <laughs> like, steal from me. Yeah. You know, and I just think that that's a respect thing. Yes, and 100%. People have to know that. There's managers in place that are watching you. There's cameras that are being watched. Mm -hmm. Like, if they feel like they don't have that, it's going to kind of just, they're going to do whatever. And um, Still to give a good foundation. At first, we kind of, like, we had only 
it was me, and then we went to three, and then we went to six. When we had six people, we kind of bounced all over that grow mm-hmm. and did everything. So from veg room to flower rooms to harvesting to trimming the buds, and wow. we didn't have machines or anything yeah. like that. So we did 100% of the operation as a team, just us six. But now that we've gotten bigger, we mm-hmm. have departments. Yes. So veg employees stay in the veg room. That's cool. Flower employees stay in the flower mm-hmm. rooms, and then we have a trim crew on the harvest side. And uh, we have machines now, and then we finish everything out with hand trimming. So cool. that's, it's so much nicer yes. having everybody in one spot. First of all, for cross-contamination purposes, mm-hmm. you yes. don't have people going room to room, yes. which is really, really great. Um, and then also just having, like, scrubs and everything. Um, they change out at lunchtime into mm-hmm. different scrubs, too, to try to yes. keep that from happening. Because you can bring in like 30% of contaminants just on your outside clothes. So it is important to have them in scrubs. And that's all stuff that I've learned the hard way by having issues at Mm -hmm. the very beginning. And that's why we have evolved into that Mm -hmm. was because it was like combating issues. So I feel like you don't take any of that seriously until you have a problem. Yes. And then you're like, where did this come from? And then you're like, we're totally getting new plans after this because I'm never going through that again. Yeah. Um. Other than that, my key roles that I have Mm -hmm. are family. And that's another way that I can trust it every day. Mm -hmm. Like my husband has my best interest in mind. I know he's going to do a phenomenal job Mm -hmm. as operations manager. My brother is the harvest manager. He makes sure that those weights are correct every day, make sure that they're trimming properly, that nothing's being stolen, Mm -hmm. everything's weighed out properly, um, that the product looks good, that it's consistent, Mm -hmm. catching anything that might come up. So he's a big part of that operation as well. So That's awesome. And then my inventory manager, she's been with me since the very beginning. And, you know, I just trust her now because she's been there almost three years. Yeah, I mean, that's a long time to build. Yeah. So do you feel like within your family, because I know, like you said, working with family can be very difficult. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like it's like deepened your relationship with your siblings and your husband in a different, in a way different way than you ever expected? I don't know, um, you know, because honestly at work I treat them like employees. Okay, see, that's cool. So I don't really treat them any different. Uh You know, I say what I think to anybody. Yeah. I don't really sugarcoat anything, mm-hmm. so I don't really know if it's deepened it. The good part has been I've been able to allow good jobs for my family members. Yes. And I know that they have a good mm-hmm. job every single day and that I can count on them. So that's been the good thing. And also now we've made this really a family business. My other brother, he's doing sales. He kind of just now started getting cool. into that. Yeah. So um, it just makes us feel like this is like a family thing that we're all doing together and we're excited about doing it together. We were born and raised in a family business. We had a mm-hmm. soap business as kids. So, cool. so cool. What town did you grow up in? Um, McLeod. Okay. Was kind of the most. And then Shawnee too. So okay. those were the two places that we were at. And we had a little soap business there in McLeod. And my mom actually went door to door selling soap That's as a cool. kid. So wow. That's where you get your fiery drive. Yeah. <laughs> you guys know we love talking about new brands in the market. So meet Dazed. Their products are handcrafted. So every one of their infused pre-rolls is packed by hand, not a machine, which I know every flower smoker can appreciate. They also take time to perfect their mix with live resin, keef, and indoor flower into every single joint. Dazed is veteran-owned, which we love, and they take huge pride in being a brand that the everyday person can afford with quality while keeping Oklahoma groovy. Check on Weed Maps to find Dazed in your local Oklahoma dispensary. 
Now, Washington let's get back Herman. to today's yeah. episode. Her tell off. She was the main yeah. person that made all of that happen and really not making any money. Yeah. You know, and she was trying to support all of us. And we were home alone a lot mm-hmm. just because they were working every yeah. day. Yeah. We were at the soap shop, you know, right. and at nighttime. We would do our homework there and then help. And it might be two in the morning until you get home. It was it was not a normal life, right? But it was a good life. But it created yeah. some kind of grit in you. Yeah, you know what I mean. For that sure, you carried to where on you're to like, now. This is no big deal. When you grow yeah. up in a family business, you're like, this is just another day. This is how we do it. Yeah, <laughs> yes. you're a hard worker, really. You don't right cry off the about bat. anything. You're mm-hmm. like, no. Hey, no, I'm used to this. I'm used to not having any money. Yeah. I'm used to working my butt off. Yeah, so. yeah. I love that. I know it's a hustle. So everyone has their own way of growing and special things that you do. Can you tell us a little bit about your growing method and how you guys do what you do at Smoky Okies? Mm-hmm. So we grow in cocoa and perlite is the, um, instead of soil, that's what we Mm -hmm. use. And I picked that on purpose because in soil, you can overwater really easily. Mm -hmm. And with having employees water, which now we have an irrigation system, but before that we were hand watering. Um, I just, we needed that fluff room in case if they did overwater, it wouldn't kill the plants. Mm -hmm. And cocoa lets it drain through there, through the pot so that you don't overwater as bad. Um, And then we top. In there, we try to top at least two times, and mm-hmm. that gives you additional branches. Mm-hmm. It can also keep plants from growing really tall. So that's kind of how you train plants is by topping them. Okay, what does topping mean for somebody who's listening that doesn't so, know? Topping is like where a sprout is coming out. You come in with scissors mm-hmm. at an angle, and you kind of cut that sprout out. Okay. But you make an injury on the stem, uh-huh. and then that injury will sprout out into two more stems that oh. now have tops on top of them. Okay, so that's cool. It increases your yields like a lot. Okay. At least wow. 20, 30 percent wow. by doing that. So it's cool. very important. And then the height aspect, because if you have really, really tall plants in the grow room, they just become out of control. Mm-hmm. They can shade these other plants that are next to them, and you want a nice, even canopy. So um, topping helps with that as well. Cool. And then we trim the bottom of the plants. Mm-hmm. So we call it lollipopping. Mm-hmm. So in veg, we trim up the bottom of them before they flip. They flip at week five into flower, and then um, they. get put into trellis and flower and the trellis has two different layers the bottom layer like gives it stability mm-hmm. and then the top layer you're spreading those buds all throughout that to make sure that every inch of the canopy is covered and that's how you get your sea of green so cool. you're training the plants but you're also making sure that you're getting maximum yield out of that room like you want no foot space. That's why we have yes. rolling benches now okay. because you want to make sure that every inch of that room is covered with plants if you can. Wow. But I didn't start out that way. I yeah, started out so with five-gallon buckets <laughs> upside down yeah. with drip pans on top of wow. them. And then we built wooden tables. Uh-huh. And then we finally had enough money for the rolling benches. So the rolling wow. benches are sort of new for us. We've had them a little over a year now. They're so. game changers, though. Oh, game changer. Mm-hmm. And the plumbing, like I didn't have any um, – drainage setup so we had to shop back every drip pan every oh, single man. day because you don't want sitting yes, water because yes, it makes your humidity wow. go up yeah. and bugs and stuff like that so now that we have drainage and we have irrigation system I literally had like at least four employees that's all they did all day was just water and get drain dr- yeah water and drain stuff out so now those four em- employees can be trimming plants 
or taking out trash or cleaning, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Like, yeah, using their time in a different way. Yes. Because now that's monitored. I wish I could have started out that way, but yeah. once again, it was all money issues. Right. So. Yeah, and trial and error, honestly, because mm-hmm. how would mm-hmm. you have known, you know, and like working your way up, because now even hearing you talk about that, like you guys have literally gone levels up from what yeah. you started even in the bays that you grew Very in slowly. and then now even like how you watered, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's cool for anybody that's listening that's an aspire aspires to grow mm-hmm. um, on a bigger scale in a different state, in a different country. It's cool that that's why we do what we do and have people like you out so that, you know, it can inspire them to do it if they want to do it. And yeah. like... Main thing is you have to put your money back into it. Yes, you yes. You can't keep pocketing the money mm-hmm. and wondering why your operation's not growing. You yes. know, you have to be willing to not make anything for mm-hmm. a long time and be content with that yep. because you know what you're investing in, you yep. know what you're building, and that's what we have chosen to mm-hmm. do. And it has not been easy, you yeah. know, but yeah. Yeah. it has paid off by doing it that yes. way. Yes. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. What would you say is your most favorite strain that you've grown, Ellie? Oh, man. <laughs> it's a tough I mean, one. grown a lot. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> any, has anyone just, like, stood out to you the most? Personally, the one that I enjoy smoking is mango sapphire. It's okay. just really, really gorgeous. Mm. But honestly, I love the ones that stack in the grow room that are just really, really big producers. Mm-hmm. They're just really cool to watch. Yeah. Um, so I, I really liked Girl Scout cookies whenever I had it, and I cut it, and I cut mimosa, and it was another great one. So there's been some that I've cut that I've been like, why did I cut you? You're yeah, so beautiful. Yeah. Well, but we had just so many that it was like we had to get down in the nitty-gritty. Right. But uh, Red Pop Runts is one that I really, really like. It okay. smells like, Red Pop Runts. That sounds good. It smells like uh, like red Fanta pop. Ooh. Oh, man. It's just amazing, and it's a beautiful strain, too. But it's mm. not a great yielder. So it's like I'm constantly going back. Since I'm actually a grower, mm-hmm. I love the yielders because those actually are better for me. Yes. But the beautiful ones are more fun. I mean, all of us love I know. The yes. There's so much yes. art with so, cannabis itself that you can just admire yeah. in so many yeah. different ways, you know. But there's, like, honestly no strains on our menu that I'm like, oh, I don't like you. Yeah, that's so good. That's important. That's yeah. important because if you wouldn't have them, why would you have them on your, you know, if you yeah. don't like them, so why would you have them? No, they're all beautiful. They're all good smokers. So, I mean, I'm, I'm happy with them right now, but we'll continue to introduce new strains. Uh, we built out an R&D room, which is research and development. So that's kind of where we're doing our pheno hunting in. Okay, cool. Is, is in that space. So we'll continue to have six to 10 strains that come out at a time. Wow. And we built a mom room, which was huge. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a mom room until... Um, about six months ago, I wow. got a mom room. Nice. So now all the moms that we pheno hunted are in there. We have about 150 moms in there, but that wow. room can hold 300. So wow. We're that way we can keep our genetics good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So wow, that's exciting. Complex. That's really cool. I yeah. love to hear that. So being in a grow every day and taking care of these plants like they're your own children essentially because they mm-hmm. react and respond so fast. Um. People often say there's a stigma with people in the cannabis industry, stoners, they're irresponsible, lazy. Do you feel like being in a grow and providing medicine for people relying on you has shifted your discipline in your day-to-day life? And if so, how would you say? Um, I would say that up there at Grow, we are so far from lazy mm-hmm. and that if anybody wanted to come work a day in that grow, they would realize how much hard work that is. Growing is farming. Literally, yes. we're just doing indoor farming, so we get air conditioning. That's about the only beauty yes. behind that. But it's still really hard work. And as far as that carrying over into my personal life, um, it just makes me want to continue to grow with just my personal investments that I'm doing mm-hmm. and just continue to get bigger. And, I mean, honestly, one day 
which it sounds so far-fetched, but one day I would just love to be this huge entrepreneur that just makes millions and millions of dollars and it won't be on cannabis. You know, I'm talking Mm -hmm. about like all of these investments and everything Mm -hmm. that I do Mm -hmm. in businesses. That's like my long-term goal. I just want to be super, super successful in everything that Mm -hmm. I do. And I don't know why, but I've wanted that for a really long time. Yeah, it's a fire inside of you. Yeah. being somebody important and being mm-hmm. involved in things. One of the big things that I'm fixing to do, I'm getting the paperwork together for a nonprofit organization. And that nonprofit organization will give back to just anybody that's in need. It's going to be a really random acts of kindness. So if we're in Walmart and we see somebody that needs help, we're going to pay for that. Um, just getting turkeys during Thanksgiving, making sure Christmas presents are there for mm-hmm. kids during Christmas. You know, maybe someone needs their rent paid. We pay their rent. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be no method to the madness with that. It'll literally just be helping anybody that needs yeah. it. And it might be people in poverty and it might be somebody in middle class that just really needs mm-hmm. help that month. So yeah. I don't plan on like targeting people only in this bracket. I'm not even going to yeah. ask you how much money you make. I don't care. Yeah. yeah. It's just that's like, do beautiful. you need help right yeah. now? You know? Yeah. That's, so that's cool. That's something that I want to be a part of mm-hmm. is just making sure that I'm constantly giving back and, I do that anyways. I just want a nonprofit to be able to do it on a bigger scale Mm because now other businesses in the cannabis space can give to it and we can maybe do something really cool and really big. Yeah. And I want to be at the head of that because I feel like, you know, a lot of times with nonprofits, you don't know where the money's going. Mm -hmm. You're like, are you really doing anything good or are there just people on payroll that are pocketing all that money, you know? So Mm -hmm. I know that I won't be pocketing that money. You know, I am going to do the best I can with that. And so a long-term goal for me is to have a home for abused women, like a safe house, Mm -hmm. because in OKC and Shawnee, there's only like two safe houses for women that are abused running away. And the kids stay in them, and these safe houses are tiny, like mm-hmm. three-bedroom. Oh, wow. They just have bunk beds, and they can only house so many kids at a time. Mm-hmm. So long-term goal for me would be to have a safe house that I can have women in there and shelter and just kind of be part of that. I have a lot of uh, just physical abuse and mental abuse in my background between my dad, and then I was mm-hmm. in a relationship with my son's father for a long time. Mm-hmm. So I struggled with that, and I know how real – that is, you always think that I'm so smart, I'll mm-hmm. never be in a relationship like that until you're in a relationship yep. like that. And yep. now you're trying to figure out a way to get out. <laughs> yeah, and so sure. I want to make sure that I, that's something that's close to my heart mm-hmm. that I want to make sure I give back to. So those are kind of my long-term goals as yeah. to why I want to be rich. Because it's like, right. then I can do some really cool things yes. if I'm really rich. Yeah. And yes. be rich in other areas of your yeah. life. Yeah, yeah. Yes. it's not really like I need spending money. I don't care about that. Right. Yeah, you, know, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you have bigger, like, drive and yeah. both perspectives yeah. to every all of that yeah that's awesome I that is awesome I love to hear that yes. so what's a piece of advice as a grower that you would give to somebody who currently is growing at home or a business or is wanting to start one? Oh, well if you're growing at home just go at your own pace you know that's the mm-hmm. nice thing about growing at home is you can make mistakes and it doesn't matter because now you can just go to the dispensary and <laughs> pick up your, yeah. your plants yeah um There's so many good tips online. I feel like some of them are bad and some of them are good. So you got to filter through those Mm -hmm. and kind of learn. On our website, smoky-okies.com, we have a lot of blogs that talk about growing and what you should do and the drying process and how to top and how to cure. And so we do want to give that information to the public. So I encourage Mm -hmm. everybody to go start there and then maybe dig into some other stuff. There's lots of videos online as well. So 
that's how I learned. A lot of mine was yes. online self-research. Content. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. You provide that for people too. Yeah. yeah. And you guys definitely go check out their website because I was browsing it the other day and it's super dope. I you guys have a very well Thank curated you. website. <laughs> super educational too, which gives which is nice because patients can get to know you guys yeah. without actually knowing you guys. Yep. You that's know. my partner, Travis. He is so good. At anything like yeah, that. shout out like, to Travis. Yes, his content game is strong. I <laughs> love that. That's, that that is awesome. Strengths and, you know, yes. every yes. person. We all provide something different uh-huh. for that operation. And combined, we just make just one hell of a team. Yeah, really, bring it to do, the table. It's not 100% me by yeah. any means. Yeah. Like, there's yes. no way I could do everything that happens no. in yeah. the operation by myself. So yeah. I'm very proud of the employees, of my managers, of my partners that are involved. Yeah. So yeah. I just, I'm very lucky because not very many operations really have all mm-hmm. of that. All that you know, yes. like one yeah. person's good, but everybody else yeah. sucks. You know, so right. yeah. we have a great team. Yes, that's, that's important. Yes, it is. So as a grower, what piece of advice would you give to people whenever they go buy flour at a dispensary? Oh, yeah. I got a good one. Stop shopping for only THC. Yes, yes. Say yes, it louder ma'am. for the people in the back. God, it doesn't <laughs> matter. And a lot of these are fudged, okay? Like, I, I want to say this. Because a lot of patients really believe that these test results are 100%. Well, I can send testing off to three or four labs and get like a 7% difference Mm -hmm. on that THC. And the Terps will be way off too. So I think testing is important to make sure the product's clean and safe. Yes. That is number one. And that's what we should all be caring about. And Mm -hmm. I agree with that 100%. But as far as it being turned into now we only care about THC, it's just not the only thing medicinal with Mm -hmm. cannabis. And honestly, like a 13 percenter can hit me way harder than something that's labeled at 30%. And a lot of those 30%, you look at it, it's like, this looks like crap wheat. Yep. So I, I shop with my, my eyes and with my nose, mm-hmm. um, whatever resonates with me, because those terpenes, if you are kind of drawn to them, that means that your body probably is going to do better with yes. that terpene. That's mm-hmm. why your nose is liking it. So I say, listen to your nose, yes. listen to your eyes, you yes. know, whatever. Yeah, that's great advice. That really real. is. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. (laughs) So do you feel like there's improvements that need to be made in our state? And and what are they, in your opinion? Okay. Well, the shopping for the THC thing needs to stop for sure. Um, Because it's just making it to where people aren't looking at really great product because the patients are kind of demanding this from them. Mm -hmm. So that that is really hard for the grower. Yes. And the patients can help with that, yeah. you know, yes. by stopping demanding that all the time mm-hmm. and starting to look at other things, mm-hmm. you know, that look are at the profiles yeah, yeah, of what it's made up with and stuff. Um, secondly, I would say that um, I, I would like to see dispensaries a little more trained up on how to preserve flour mm-hmm. once it's at their shop, because a lot of them aren't growers. So they mm-hmm. just don't even understand that we've kept this in a perfectly temperature and humidity controlled mm-hmm. room and bins and bags and we burp them and we take care of them. And then it goes to a dispensary that now the temperature is 90 degrees in there because winter's coming or whatever. Mm, so yes. And we keep it in the dark because that can kill trichomes that are on them. So there's just some learning that I think dispensaries need yeah, to do. Definitely. So that they're not really like trained in that area. Mm-hmm. And then other than that... I mean, I, I'm proud that we do have all yeah. these dispensaries yeah. and of our program that we have. So I really mm-hmm. don't have a lot of complaints about yeah. what's going on. I think everybody's Those are two. I feel like those are two hand. really good. Very solid. Yeah, those are two mm-hmm. really solid. I hadn't even thought about the dispensaries and preserving the flour. That's actually but a really that's, good that's point. That's such a mm-hmm. grower thing. That is say. such a good like, thing. I mean, yeah. I totally respect that, yeah. though, because that's a lot of hard work. 
and like Mm -hmm. you're pouring your time and your soul Mm -hmm. into it and you want to make sure from the beginning to the end it's being well taken care of even if it's not like in your hands anymore Mm -hmm. because you want it to you want people to be able to enjoy it and I I feel like that's some of the good stuffs that pre-packaging can offer because the bag Mm -hmm. can be right and actually keep the product better longer Mm -hmm. very true but um once again that's a patient thing and patients have to start opening their mind to the prepackaged, and I understand that they're scared of it because mm-hmm. not you can't trust everybody. So you're just going to have to get to where you do have a grow mm-hmm. that you do trust, and yes. you know that you can get prepackaged from them mm-hmm. um, instead of just doing the deli style. But for now, I mean, if that's what they want, then that's what we'll give them. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I love to hear it. So we like to ask everyone this question: What is the stigma you would like to see changed revolving cannabis? Mm. I would say that. The biggest one being that you must be a loser if you smoke cannabis, Mm -hmm. you know, and I don't think it's as bad in Oklahoma, honestly, as some other states, but definitely I still think that that's kind of there a little bit Mm -hmm. because we had so many generations kind of taught that. And then also um, the court systems, you know, we passed the law that you're supposed to be safe if you're consuming cannabis and if you have a patient card. But there's still some judges out there that are mm-hmm. like, I don't care. In my courtroom, I'm not putting up with it. And that needs to stop. Yes. Because what's the point of having a law to protect us? <laughs> yes. oh, really? Seriously. Yeah. Judges can be like, oh, I'm going to do whatever I want. Tell them. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, though. It's real. Kids don't need to be taken away over. No. no. That's just creating you know? so many more unnecessary issues. Issues. Yeah. You're a judge. You're not supposed to be doing that. You're supposed to be solving yeah. them. Mm-hmm. And maybe they've come along. Yeah. You know, I had heard some stories right after it passed mm-hmm. so yes. honestly they might have just not transitioned over yet and maybe it's better now because i haven't heard anything recently but wishful thinking with yeah. that yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah that's the only thing i can think of well, that's good. good. Yeah. Ellie, I think this concludes today's episode. Yes. Thank you so much for taking time to be here with us today. Is there anything you'd like to add before we hop off? Go to our Instagram because we have a lot of professional pictures of our product. Mm-hmm. We have some really great videos that we've had shot. So it's Smokey, S-M-O-K-E-Y underscore Okies, O-K-I-E-S. Go give them a follow, you guys. Yes, and thank you so much for driving here and coming to chat with us today, Ellie. I'm so glad I got to know you a little bit. It just always makes me like love like Smokey Okies, whoever it is, whenever you get into like the grower and the people Mm -hmm. behind it. It's such a... It's just a different vibe. So yeah, that yes. we're real people. Yeah, real people. <laughs> and I, I've smoked the the cannabis that you've grown. Big and drip. Like, we've got to do reviews <laughs> on I strain alerts. I okay. I it Travis is. was here yesterday, and I was like, "Hey, Travis, do you know where I can find Big Drip?" And he was like, "Uh, you'll have to check." Weed. I was like, "Hey, yeah, I can check weed maps." But like, it was such a good high. Yeah. Brandon and I haven't remembered a strain like that in a long time. I well, feel it's like. such a limited edition. Like when it comes out, we only have yeah. so many pounds that hit the market. Is it one of those like super ones, like the super like the it's low a, yielder? It's it's decent yeah. on the yield, but we kind of have a max of what we yield of every. Strain. Got it. Okay. Okay. Got it. Because we don't want to have a ton of just one strain. Mm -hmm. And since we have 36 in rotation, that's Mm -hmm. why, oh man, now I got to wait three months until Uh, I see it again. So uh, I tell everybody, like, once those things hit, you got to go on it. Okay. No, what you need. Okay. Got it. Yes. There you go. That's solid. We do have a lot of great ones. So it's honestly like, even if you like Big Drip, there's still going to be. Yeah. You're right. You're right. I just need to go explore. Well, thank you so much for doing what you do and providing the state of Oklahoma with some really dank medicine yes thank you. so thank you to our listeners for tuning in for another episode and as always Sav, stay medicated
Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season one of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at dopehistory.com.